0: Hello, thank, thank you for listening to Subject to Interpretation, hosted by
1: Augustine De La Mora.
0: My name is Claudia. And my name is Kayla. And we are the producers of this program.
1: Before we get into today's interview with our special guest, Natalia Mitariva, who is the Executive Director at CCHI, which is the certification body for medical interpreters, we wanted to bring you the latest announcements from De La Mora Interpreter Training, A reminder, if you found us on Facebook, we'd like to remind you that you may download us directly to your phone wherever podcasts are available. Now on
0: to some more exciting news. We wanted to announce some of our end-of-the-year courses, including our Language Neutral Court Interpreter Training Program, which is designed to help prepare future court interpreters for the state oral exam. You will learn core methods and practice that have made us a nationally recognized interpreter training company. And... This is a big announcement that this will be the very last one uh, taking place this year, so don't miss it. This course begins on October 1st and will be taught
1: by Beatrice Craney. Also, to prepare for the 2019 Federal Exam, we have our course, which is the FCIC written prep course, beginning September 25th. With this course, we will prepare you for the written test by administering a practice test, reviewing and studying each section of the exam, and going over vocabulary exercises. The links for both of these courses will be included in the description, so be sure to check them out. Now stay tuned for
0: next week's podcast featuring Corrine McKay. She is a certified French and English translator who also happens to be the president of ATA, which you may also know as the American Translator Association, which currently stands as the largest interpreter in translation association with over 10,000 members. So don't miss it.
1: We do appreciate you all for listening in. We pride ourselves in being one of the very few podcasts for professional interpreters out there. So please share us with all of your colleagues We would love to hear your feedback, and or if you have any questions, please feel free to contact our office, and you will most likely speak Speak to to one one of us. us. (laughs) Until next week, now enjoy the interview with Natalia Mitariva. Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Well, welcome everyone to another edition of Subject to Interpretation, where we discuss subject matter that is important to us interpreters in various fields, conference, medical, and legal interpretation. Uh, my name is Agustin Servín de la Mora. I'm your host, and today I have the pleasure and the honor to have with me Natalia Mitariva, who is the Executive Director at the Certification Commission for Healthcare Interpreters, CCHI, and I had the pleasure of meeting Natalia many years ago when we were foraying into thinking about uh, starting to train interpreters in the medical field, and she was very instrumental in getting us positioned and learning about how to get uh, a certification as interpreter. So without any further ado, let me say good morning, Natalia. How are you doing?
3: Good morning, Agustin. Thank you very much for this lovely introduction. Yes, it's been years since we've known each other, and I'm really happy that we can reconnect virtually.
2: Yes. And uh, so Natalia, tell us, I think that the first thing that I would like you to tell us, first of all, how did you end up being... A medical interpreter. Is this something that when you were a little kid playing with toys, you thought, I'm going to be a medical interpreter. Is that how it happened?
3: No, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a ballerina, so that didn 't happen okay. and I decided well, the next best thing in russia that 's where i 'm from is to do something where I can talk to people from different countries and uh, remember, I was at that time Soviet Union, so that was fa- everything foreign was fascinating to me. so I decided that I wanted to learn a foreign language, and my career started as uh, first teacher of english at a high school uh but then i was uh, assistant professor at the university in southern russia volgograd uh and uh there i taught interpreting theory and practice to uh students of uh interpretation translation of those who wanted to be teachers of students of law economics so different kinds of fields and um uh, that's when I started doing conference interpreting. And so my first introduction to profession was a conference interpreter. Uh, I uh, was uh, did d- different kinds, uh, whatever happened in our city. And uh, then in 96, moved to the United States. And thought, what am I going to do here? I tried some adjunct teaching at uh, Kent State University. It's great, uh, but it doesn't... Um, feel that you're connected to the world as much when you're in academia. It's lovely, I love it, but it is not as vibrant as being in the thick of things. So I uh, started working for a nonprofit organization which resettles refugees in uh, Akron area in Ohio. That's where I'm residing and it's called International Institute of Akron. And for 13 years, I was their manager of interpreting and translation services. And again the story continues. It's a very thick plot here. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Well, we um, like
2: thick plots because we're interprets. We're always interested
3: that's right that's right so i was uh thinking like what should i do translation interpreting or uh, interpreting in court or uh medical and i had a wonderful friend who you def- definitely know and many of listeners may uh know is isabel framer and so okay. at first she said well let's have a gig in court interpreting well, i went to court twice and i said you know i really don't like russian defendants uh i already think that they are all guilty so i cannot be a court interpreter i could be a court interpreter trainer and i did that for a while i mean it's because i you know back in russia taught students of law the english and interpreting and translation in russian english so i like that area but i am not a court interpreter i could not uh be neutral uh and I'm fine for victims. I mean, t- in terms of like, I love them and I'm on their side 100, percent right? So I don't right. think you want me in into So
2: you, you're a little biased, let's say. That's
3: right. That's right. But you see, the thing is to realize your limitations yes. and yes. then act on them. Uh, either you know, train yourself to be neutral, which I couldn't in this case, and I decided no, I'm going to medical interpreting because there I can see that I'm doing good for both sides, providers and patients, and I could be neutral and I could do good and that's how I ended up
2: yes and and obviously that one of the main differences the environment you know when I started in the law and it's as you say very it's adversarial and you not always interpret for nice people sometimes they're not nice at all and then in a medical field where it's a collaborative you don't have that problem. That uh, you're actually you and the medical provider and the patient. You all have the same goal, and that's for the patient to get well. So, so that's interesting. So you you stuck with medical interpreting, and then. Uh, was there certification when you started in the field? Uh, and by the way, you mentioned Isa. I think everybody knows Isabel Framer. <laughs> I think I hope day, so. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to see if I can invite her. She's a, a very interesting person. She's super busy. But I, I'm going to see if I catch her one of these days, and I'll, I'll invite her to be in one of our podcasts because I think she, she really has been a champion for the interpreting uh, profession forever and a day in Ohio. So tell me, uh, how did you... Uh when you made the jump, was there certification at the time or?
3: No. And that's, you know, uh, what was baffling to me because Mm -hmm. uh, back in Russia, you can call yourself an interpreter after you get your master's degree in interpreting. And my master's was in philology. So even though I did conference interpreting, I was looked down upon as the second tier because I really didn't get a master's in interpreting. Uh, So uh, I only got the jobs, which nobody else wanted to take. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I learned to still love it, but I, didn't want to get another master's obviously so uh when i started the career here in 2000 i did the search google was still our friend there uh And I found the article by Holla Mickelson about professionalization of community interpreting. And that's when I realized that, hey, all you need to do in this country is to call yourself an interpreter if you speak two languages and you're good to go. And I felt from that very moment that that's simply wrong. You know, if you think of the complexity of our job as interpreters in any field of the years of study, It's comparable to doctors, not to attorneys who study, but they don't study as long as doctors do, right? You go through your medical school, you go through your residency, then you decide, you know, whether you want specialists. And if you want to be like neurosurgeon, then you have to even have more training and specialization and certification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interpreters, we take at least eight to 10 years to learn the language to the level which we could start interpreting and translating right mm-hmm. and then we specialize either interpreting or translators and then we specialize court medical conference and so why there is no requirement so that's how i got passionate about starting to establish some standards and having isa as my mentor helped too because she was fighting for certification in ohio for court interpreters yes and i uh, whenever the uh, national uh, body of several associations in the United States, NCIHC, National Council for Interpreting and Healthcare), ATA, Translators Association, CHIA, which is California Healthcare Interpreters Association, and IMIA, they got together in around 2006 and put out a national proposal for anybody who wants to work on certification, um, welcome to apply we will form a coalition and that's when i applied and they picked me as you know fitting one of the stakeholder groups Uh, Mm -hmm. i was representing uh refugee interpreting because i worked in the refugee uh, resettlement and uh by extension languages of lesser diffusion uh and uh after working on the coalition from 2007 till 2009 uh out of that coalition national coalition for certification in healthcare interpreting cchi was born and i was uh, one of the founding commissioners then in 2012 became chair of cchi and then in 2013 we matured as an organization to hire the first full time staff person that, that director and that became me so uh That's the short version of the path of how uh, I uh, feel very honored and proud to be part of creating this uh, certification uh, body and being part of the movement towards better quality of interpreting in the United States.
2: And that is wonderful. And that's why we wanted you to be with us, because I think it's important for people to know that even though for many of us, uh, I think that my introduction to interpretation was Something like, do you speak Spanish? Do you have any experience? I told the guy I had done one deposition, and that qualified me immediately to be a court interpreter. And probably like you did, the first time I went to a court, I had no clue as to what I was saying. And I was baffled as to how was I already considered a Actually, they paid me for that day, which was even more baffling, um, to be a court interpreter when I really had no idea what to do. So I, like you, started searching and uh, finding ways to, to push for certification. That's how I met uh, Isa, because I pushed very hard and we worked very hard here in Florida to get certification going. It took us only about 10 years to convince the legislature, <laughs> but, but we got it done. So, so now you are the executive director of CCHI, and I would like you to give us a little bit of perspective because... I think out there, even though a lot of people want to be interpreters, and as you know, what we do in our company, we train interpreters in in various fields, including uh, the medical field. And when they call us, some of them have tried to find something, but it's a little complicated to navigate how to become certified and I was a little dismayed when I was doing one of my searches that one of the things that popped up was an article that was saying something about don't get certified or something like that. (laughs) And I was discouraged to see it, but I I realized that there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, So if I could, first of all, tell us, you guys are not an association. You don't have a bunch of members that are medical interpreters, do you?
3: no we don 't, uh, and that 's a very important distinction for us because when um, we st- formed uh, the organization in July two thousand and nineteen by the way, next year will be our tenth anniversary we're uh, in wow. the, uh, excited and in the plans because you said it took you ten years, so mm-hmm. we would be you know uh, doing a lot of uh, educational activities next year to publicize the ten year of tenth anniversary of certification so um One of the uh, important things to understand is in the certification industry, let's put aside interpreting for a for a minute but there is an industry of certification which exists for different professions uh architects doctors attorneys right and in the certification industry there is a model where association is tied with the examination body but it is not a common model it's more like um an exception the standard is the certifying body is not a membership association which is totally independent from any industry interests or stakeholder groups and tries to combine the interests of everybody by creating the exam that benefits the public and the recipients of the service of that profession in our case that will be patients Uh, and so for that reason CCHI is not an association we are administering exams which are created based on the profession needs and our uh, governing body is the board of uh, commissioners who are volunteers and each represents different stakeholder groups Uh, practicing interpreters of course already certified interpreters because they need to have a voice in decisions, Uh, language companies, educators like your company or yourself uh, uh, and uh, healthcare providers and then public member, which is a person who is not related to interpreting or interpreting industry at all, just to make sure that we're not creating something that the public at large will uh, not uh, benefit from. So just like a voice of reason, like, okay, guys, what the heck are you doing? Tell me what you're doing. And I'll tell you if that fits into what the being the civic society in America is all about.
2: Right. That's, that's exactly a, a good point that, the, the indep- and I like that concept of the independence of the board, so we don't have any influence from membership that could push on this or other direction instead of um, keeping this neutrality. so you form CCHI with other people, and how do you support yourselves then if, if you don't have any members? Well,
3: because uh, certification is an industry and a business in a way, uh, uh, we support ourselves. Right now, we're very proud to be self-sustained. In other words, awesome. we, sta- we started with the help of the people, right? We mm-hmm. couldn't have started on the... We are very grateful to about five, six big companies that supported us in the beginning who contributed um, just hard cash uh, Mm -hmm. to uh, help us start the program. Uh, We got some smaller companies contributing. We got grants from the beginning from Office of Minority Health to develop Mm -hmm. our um, written course HI exam and the first Spanish exam. We got grants from Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to develop our Arabic and Mandarin exams. Uh, We got grants from Kaiser Permanente to develop the network of, uh, uh, to develop the continuing education accreditation program and the network of disseminating information. So over the first maybe Three, four years of existence through the commissioners and public, you know, outreach, we raised over a million dollars. to start. Awesome. awesome. But now we depend on fully and solely on the fees from examinations and okay. uh, continuing education accreditation fees.
2: So tell us, since you are the uh, uh, certifying body, what languages are you certifying at this point? As, uh, as and what do we call your certification? Well, it's
3: a national certification. And we have, if you want to like make it a little simple, uh, it's two tiers, right? And the reason there are two tiers is because uh, even though our principle is inclusiveness and uh, equity, at the same time, we understand languages and interpreters Uh, working in those languages are not equal right uh if you're spanish obviously that's the number one language you have uh, more opportunities for training you have more opportunities for full-time job if you wish to be a staff person versus freelancer if you're interpreter of russian this already diminishes but still it's comparable but if you're interpreter of burmese nepali Rwanda, even swahili a, there are pretty much no training opportunities for those languages, uh, not in English, but in their language. And uh, there are very few full-time jobs across the country where you can be just an interpreter uh, with those languages. So uh, because of that, we have two tiers. The first tier is what we call core certification healthcare interpreter, and that is core CHI. That is uh, English exam in writing, multiple choice um, that is about uh, the knowledge about the profession. So uh, code of ethics, terminology, role of the interpreters, how you interact with different parties uh, during the encounter, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that certification is accredited with the independent body, National Commission for Certifying Agencies, NCCA. And that is the first step. So uh, if you, however, we understand that we really need to make sure that people who know about interpreting can actually interpret. And that's our second tier, which is certified healthcare interpreting. Mm-hmm. Credential and that's Chi and that exists in CHI. Spanish, Arabic, mm-hmm. and Mandarin. Uh, and uh, right now we have uh, a little over eight hundred Core Chi certificates, which are represent all kinds of languages. Uh, the top ones: uh, um, Russian, Vietnamese, Korean, Cantonese, um, Somali. Actually, then Portuguese, and. Um, Nepali and Hmong are close by, and French. Uh, so these are the top uh, languages for these uh, certificates. And then we have uh, about over 2,600, uh, CHI certificates. Majority of them are Spanish. We have about 100 Mandarin and uh, about 90 uh, Arabic. Um, and since we realized that the more you add the oral component in specific language the fewer uh candidates you would have who will take the exam and even fewer who will pass the exam because there are fewer training opportunities for these languages uh Mm -hmm. what we have right now is a very exciting new project that we started this year and uh we uh, formed the national task force to help us uh, proceed that direction is we are planning to conduct a study of possibility of creating an English to English oral performance exam for medical interpreters. It's a that's new a animal that hasn't existed in the profession and yeah. we're very excited about And The field will hear more about it starting this fall.
2: Well, that's wonderful. That, that's very good news. I'm, I'm glad that we are, I guess, some of the first to hear it. So everybody will know and will let our people, our students know about it because this is very exciting and I, it's always a difficult component because in the in the uh, legal field that always has been the, the rub, right? How do mm-hmm. you get these uh, languages of less diffusion at least tested somehow to see about their interpreting skills? So that's very good news. And, and please, if we can help in any way, shape or form, please count us in and uh, we would uh, love to uh, participate in any form that we can uh in that project so uh so while while you already have you said about 1600 people that are certified CHIs? uh
3: no so 30, 30 uh um, to... 37 total if we subtract 800 it becomes uh what 2900 so 2900 uh around that area the number uh we have a public uh registry that's on our website uh that you can search uh the only uh tricky part right now is because we're in the middle of testing we just finished testing for oral exams uh yesterday Mm -hmm. and uh what happens is uh we're in the rating process which takes about uh, six weeks and the time when the scores are released the date of certification goes back to july so we have about 100 or 200 people who are not in the registry yet because uh the scores are not released but uh if wow. you found them all together that's what we have yes it's exciting. well that's
2: very encouraging to see the numbers growing in that proportion because so what do you think about Uh, the end users, are they being more educated? Are you hearing more and more hospitals and healthcare providers asking for certification rather than just asking the typical question, do you speak Russian and can you be here tomorrow as the only qualifying question?
1: Well,
3: you know, it's a philosophical question. Is the glass half full or half empty, right? Uh (laughs) But um, Mm -hmm. we do, the good thing is like, you know, since I've had the uh, chance and pleasure of uh, witnessing this for over several years now, I feel personally that there are more and more providers across the country that actually feel that certification is a st- starting point. Uh, and it's both hospitals and language companies. Uh, and um, and it encourage, it's, it is encouraging because, uh, you know, I, I can say that in every state there is at least one hospital that requires certified interpreters as their staff. And then the next layer which they're working on right now is to uh, uh, require from their contracting agencies Mm -hmm. to have their uh, freelance interpreters certified who come to interpret for that hospital. The interesting part is it's not the biggest hospitals usually. I mean, we have all the big hospitals covered too, but I'm always surprised when there are some small hospitals in some small towns in, uh, you know, different states, which adopt this. One of the examples could be uh, Valley View Hospital in uh, Glenwood Springs, Colorado. That's what they require. They uh, provide it for training of all their staff. They Uh, actually paid for the certification of their staff and uh, who interprets, they have bilingual staff interpreting. So they have a good team of about 20 certified interpreters and that's a small town. And the other interesting example I can give you is, there is a very interesting network of uh, it's a, a cooperative of sorts of medical professionals who is not, who are not even a hospital. They are uh, in a, a group of different uh, clinics and different prof- uh, physicians in rural Oregon around Medford area and to have a couple of other locations there in the middle of Oregon who also require certification. And they're the ones who reached out to us because they said, you know, we uh, um, evaluate our physicians on utilizing certified interpreters for their patients, And we have certain incentives for our physicians to encourage them to use certified interpreters and how can we move it forward. So it's really interesting initiatives. And I'm so impressed with uh, this. And uh, actually, uh, the representative uh, is coming to Oregon Healthcare Interpreter Association Conference on August 25th uh, so to talk probably about this or just to learn more about us interpreters. So it's a physician who is not a hospital is interested in this kind of thing fascinating
2: that is fascinating and i i find it very encouraging too and it's interesting that you mentioned that because we have here in orlando some huge hospitals uh that have staff interpreters that do not require them to Mm be certified and some confusion i'm sure you're aware of the fact that some companies out there uh claim that they certify their own interpreters and i was really uh a little concerned, but I guess there's not much we could do, that there was a company out there, I, th- I think they got bought, but it was called Certified Interpreters, the company itself. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, of course, I'm a certified interpreter, right? I work for, I like saying, I'm a language line interpreter. but well, I'm a certified interpreter since i worked for the company. And so I went to this large hospital and said, oh, no, all of our interpreters are certified. And, well, that's wonderful. You should advertise that because that's not very common. And then when I asked them who certified them, it turns out that they had this certificate from a company that said, you know, we certified and and so-and-so took a class with us and passed our test, but that's not certification. So there was a little bit of confusion as to who is a certifying body. Have you found that around a lot when people ask you about certification?
3: Absolutely. And I uh, agree 100%. And education can never stop. But And what we're trying to do is to adopt the jargon of healthcare providers so that uh, if they require evidence-based um, medicine, right? So they need to make sure that they really pay attention to the evidence they gather about qualifications of their interpreters. And yes. so... Uh, the reason we accredited our core CHI exam because we totally understand that it is the minimal um, type of assessment, but it it does meet the criteria of certifying, uh, uh, you know, industry and we have it accredited so we have an oversight and report to somebody who can look at how it's constructed how it performs and we also have CHI Spanish exam accredited uh, with uh, the national entity so when we reach out to hospitals we can tell them hey first of all we use evidence in all our steps of creating certification exams and uh, through national surveys through uh, convening national uh, panels of subject matter the experts to write the content and we have an overseeing body and that oversees certifications for nurses for obstetricians for all of your specialties so it's the same body we're in the same stream as you are and what is exciting about this new study that English-to-English assessment for uh, interpreters of uh, languages of uh, limited diffusion is that this would be the first evidence-based study that would compare uh, the possibility of the equality of testing in English of some skills and how it translates to dual language testing. So we will be publishing the study a lot among healthcare professionals and hope to publish it in a medical journal uh, afterwards so that they can see that our profession is as evidence-based and driven as they are, and hopefully, they will. When we start speaking their language, yes. right? We need to learn to speak their language. Mm-hmm. They will then stop being confused about what we're doing.
2: Right. That that is awesome. And and yes, I was thinking again. You know, these large companies here, that this large hospitals, that have some staff interpreters that are not certified. We just got contacted by a small teaching hospital, uh, a couple of hours here from Orlando, and funny enough, they were. All of their staff, the few members that they have in their staff, they are all certified.
3: Uh-huh. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> fascinating. I don't know
2: what it is, but maybe, maybe the, the size has something to do with the fact that they find it easy to to comprehend. I don't know what it is, but we'll keep, we'll keep the fight. So before I let you go, I would like you to give us in five steps. Somebody calls me and says, Augustine, how do I get certified? The easy answer is to send them to your website, but tell us what are the steps that somebody has to go from I don't know anything about this. Do so I want to be a, a, a CHI? What do I do?
3: Okay. First, you need to understand that you need to have at least forty hours of medical interpreter training. Mm-hmm. That's the prerequisite to so we can put you, uh, get you into in the door. And you need to have the documentation because with our application process, you need to upload. Pre, uh, certificate for that or several certificates if you want to gather among different uh, programs and you need to have proof of your language proficiency it could be different documents doesn't matter you have to proof of language proficiency in two languages Mm -hmm. english and the other language then after your application is reviewed you need to take the written exam and that's what that 40 hours of trainings would help you to to do if you're spanish arabic and mandarin interpreters 40 hours will not be enough to allow you to pass the oral exam yes you can still take it but you really need to have language specific skills training like uh first of all let me make give a little plug for you augustine because mm-hmm. i love your training about simultaneous interpreting and on our exam we do have simultaneous piece and it's important for people at least to hear you in english talking about it, uh, or any other training providers, but you do a wonderful job on this particular, because I listened to this topic several times. I love that. Um, so they really need to have this additional skills training before they sit for the oral exam because 40 hours will never make any interpreter, uh, but it's a minimum kind of prerequisite to get you to start the process. Mm-hmm. And after you take uh, your oral exam, uh, you pass it, you're certified, uh, y- if you're Spanish, Arabic, and Mandarin interpreter, the process could be as quick as uh, three months on average. People do about five months from the day you apply to the day you get your certificate.
2: Awesome! And is it all? Do you take the when you get the oral exam? Is it all done by computer now? Or do you have to go to a specific location and do it in person? How does I mean, that work?
3: It is computer-based or web delivered but you have to go to physical test sites for two reasons one is security reasons on our end right because Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that our content is not compromised Uh, Mm -hmm. so we have to have proctors who observe you but secondly it's the it issues Um, Mm -hmm. if you know if you have several people in your household and they all start watching different Netflix, you'll start thinking. At the same thing, right. <laughs> yes. So mm-hmm. it's important that if... Because we all have computers, but they're not really capable sometimes to handle this uh, uh, part where we do simultaneous interpreting via web because mm-hmm. you're uploading and downloading audio at the same time. And we really don't, uh, you know, it's, even the testing sites sometimes have problems with that. You know, if uh, yeah. the web is full of some updates that day, you may be unfortunate to have those problems. So that's why we uh, ask people to go to specific test sites.
2: Perfect. Well, Natalia, I I know that we could spend the rest of the day (laughs) talking to each other, but this was super informative and and, uh, enlightening. And please let us know anything that we can do to help Uh, CHI, we're going to have a conference here coming up in November, we'll send you information if you want to send us brochures, or any information that you want us to uh, share with the people participating, we'll be happy to do that. And if we can in any way participate or help you guys with this education efforts for next year for your 10 year anniversary, we'll be happy to do that too.
3: Well, thank you, Augustine. Thank you, first of all, for uh, the honor of being on your uh, podcast. But also, thank you very much for this. Definitely, we will uh, collaborate and we'll be in touch because we will need help from uh, many to help us do that study. And also, we would love to uh, be part of uh, any uh, local conferences or events so that we can together uh, help uh, interpreters understand how to get uh, professional uh, and how to get better jobs because they have the right qualifications and to educate the field uh, of, of providers of patients so thank you very much
2: thank you natalia we'll see you soon let's let's make sure we see each other very soon
3: absolutely okay. absolutely have care. a good day
2: mm-hmm.
3: Bye.